welcome to the Empathic Mastery Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Moore, and I'm so glad you're here. This is a place where we talk about what it means to be highly sensitive and empathic, how this impacts all aspects of our lives, and we explore tools, resources, and solutions so we can shift from absorbing all the thoughts, feelings, and energy of the world around us to being beacons for calm, love, and healing. Hey there, everybody. I am back and I am bringing Lisa Campion back. And if you guys checked out the previous podcast with her, which was amazing, where we talked all about psychic vampires and boundaries and being an empath and how sometimes empaths can actually be psychic vampires. It was just incredible. So you can go back over to empathicmasteryshow.com and check that out. If you don't know who Lisa is, she's amazing. And you guys are in for a real treat today. Lisa Campion is the author of the number one best-selling books, The Art of Psychic Reiki and the award-winning Energy Healing for Empaths, as well as the upcoming books, Awakening Your Psychic Ability and Psychic Awakening Journal. She's a psychic counselor and a Reiki master teacher with over 30 years of experience who specializes in training emerging psychics, empaths, and healers to fully step into their gifts since the world needs all healers it can get right now. Lisa, welcome. I am so glad you're here. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for having me back on your show. I always enjoy talking to you and um, your show is so beautiful and so are you. So thanks for Aww. having me on again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, I wanted to dive right into it because obviously your book is coming out, Awakening Your Psychic Ability, and I'm imagining the companion to it, the Psychic um, psychic Awakening Journal for yeah. kind of, you know, like working with it. Um, and so I really wanted to dive into just really talking about psychic ability, awakening our psychic ability. But before we even go into that, I'd love to talk about, let's get some definitions. So from your perspective, because I also really want to talk about the difference between what's the difference between being empathic, having, you know, being an empath and having sensitivity and being a psychic. So maybe we can just sort of lead into like the definition and then talk about the difference. Sure. So I do make a little bit of distinction too between psychic and intuition. Yes. Really, everyone is intuitive. I've never met anyone who wasn't. We don't always listen, but everyone (laughs) is. Intuition is like our inner knowing. This is just my definitions. Like this isn't the be all and end all. It's just the distinctions that I make. But intuition is our inner guidance, like our higher self talking to us. And a lot of it's very instinctual. Like, so it's very survival, you know oriented and your I mean your own higher self is like one of the best guides you'll ever have. So it's really good to be able to have, you know, your higher self, our higher self is always guiding us and giving us course corrections and helping us navigate the rocky terrains we live down, you know, we live on here down on planet Earth and it's hard down here. So we get help from our own soul um in the form of intuition. And that's like hunches, nudges. It's mostly feelings in your body feelings in your emotions. Like I have a good feeling or a bad feeling about that. And then the gut knowing, I don't know why I know. I just know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that seems to make up our intuition. Psychic ability is really like when we get information from outside of our own system. So mm-hmm. that you like spirit guides, you know, your dead uncle Fred or the angels or the earth spirits or whoever your team of spirit guides are, that's providing help and guidance and assistance from the spirit world. We all have a team and they're, thank God they're helping us because we need all the help we can get pretty much, you know? So then empaths are to me, like often incredibly psychic. So they're always highly intuitive and they often have a host of psychic abilities. Mm -hmm. So I would say all empaths are psychic, but not all psychics are empathic. So yes. Yes, so I've met I, that a lot is of my experience too. That don't I met tons of psychics that don't have it? They're they're not empaths. Yes, they're, they're highly connected. They're they have fantastic psychic skills, but they're not particularly empaths. But empaths really their orientation is around the feeling sense. So they kind of we kind of feel our way through everything. Um, we have a lot of emotions. We have that good feeling, bad feeling. So clairsentience, if you want to talk about the clairs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of a second chakra, like navel chakra thing, where we experience this clairsentience. And oftentimes the clairsentience is the primary psychic sense of an empath 
but I train a lot of empaths to just have the full complement of psychic ability. Yes. Yes. You just have like all the psychic senses are open and it's tricky for empaths, I think, because it, it just having all this extra psychic ability adds a lot of other stimulation and sensory input and experiences that we can get flooded and overwhelmed with, as well as this empathic stuff we're picking up from, from people just because we're empaths. Right, right, right. I'm just nodding my head as you're speaking because so what I'm hearing, and I really agree that intuition is kind of this known, this inner knowing kind of, you know, whereas the psychic ability is the outer knowing, the ability to receive information. And the way I, what I have found for empaths is that we process outer knowing as if it's our own, like it comes in, but then we process it emotionally and mentally, like we're the ones experiencing it. Mm -hmm. And things that I've really noticed for so many empaths is that because they are getting so much information, because so much they're getting bombarded. I've just seen so many empaths who have shut down their abilities, who have just like, you know, put the kibosh on all of it. And I mean, (laughs) that's not always such a good idea. Yeah. Yes. And I find a lot of times that happens in childhood. Yes. So, you know, as children, when we're highly empathic and highly psychic, back in my generation, that made grownups nervous. Yes. Yes. The adults around us would be uncomfortable with the empathic nature that we're like, why do we know this stuff? How can we know this stuff we're not supposed to know? You know? Right. What's wrong with uncle so-and-so? How come we never talk about him? You know? Or we just know stuff that makes people uncomfortable. And then if you add the like, well, I'm talking to Grammy, but she's died two years ago. Like we add that into the mix. And I've known plenty in my generation, psychics whose parents like, you know, drove them to the church and had the priest throw holy water on them. And, you know, Mm -hmm. um, or were really threatened with like, you know, being put in a, in a, in a psychiatric facility or ended or actually ended up in, in a mental hospital, you know, yeah, Uh, mental health with mental you know, I always say there's only a few letters difference between psychic and psychotic, but, um, <laughs> you know, um, but it, it just freaks people out. So I, or we get scared because it's, and this happened to me as a child, I would just see things and not, I mean, I was really, because I'm a visual psychic was often very overwhelmed with experiencing spirits in my house. And I, I hated to go over to my, my mom's best friend's house. She had a daughter my age and I liked the daughter, but there was this ghost. There was this girl, the dead girl on the staircase that no one else saw except for me. And, I, oh, you know, so we get enough experiences like that. And we just like to shut it down. Mm-hmm, we just, we mm-hmm. just shut it down and yeah. all of it the best we can until we start taking yoga or we have our midlife crisis or we learn Reiki or we have meditation or we begin to sort of pick up our spiritual journey again at some point. Um, and, and then it all opens up again. So yeah. my psychic development classes are filled with people who shut it down when they were had bad experiences, shut it down when they were children and are now opening it again. Yeah. Yeah. I've known so many people who particularly prophecy about death that they Mm -hmm. knew, you know, they got this vision or they knew something really bad was going to happen. And it was so scary to know that, that they just were like, I'm done here. I'm tapping out. So I'm curious about your story and your experience with this. Obviously, you were really sensitive. You could see the dead girl on the stairs when nobody else could. And if you were part of my family, instead of it being like they'd take you to the Catholic Church and dump holy water on you, I just grew up with atheists who were just kind of like, my, doesn't Jenny have a have a, a wild imagination? <laughs> you know, so yeah. which is another form of it, you know. So in my experience, it was just completely invalidated. Like, yeah, right. You're not picking any, like, this is not real. This is just your overactive imagination. But um, tell me about you. Like, tell me about your experience with, so obviously you were very psychic as a child. Did you go through that, that process or that experience of shutting it down and then having it reawaken? Or did you kind of navigate it your whole life? What was that like? Yeah, I never, I never shut it down. Um, I feel like I was born psychic. And I think the reason is because I had a twin that died in utero. I did too. Wow. Really? Really? Yeah, vanishing twin. So the vanishing twin thing, and it's actually I'm my getting first, chills. I'm it's actually just... my first memory of, is my, my brother passing in utero. And I just knew we were so connected psychically that yes. when he went across the to the other side, my connection 
went with him. So mm-hmm. you know, twins are so psychically connected. And so I was literally born psychic and I was psychic before I was born. Yeah. And my very, very first memory is a psychic memory. So I remember lying in my crib as a tiny baby and having all these beings standing around the, my crib and all these light beings and they're blowing kisses and there's rainbows and there's light and it's so beautiful and there's this music playing. And then my mom walks in, my actual physical mom walks in the door and they all sort of disappear. That's my very, very, very first memory as a baby. So, and then I played with my, when I was like um, a little older, I was probably like three or four. My mom heard me talking to somebody, you know, she's like, who are you talking to? <laughs> like, and, and I said, my dead brother, William. And, and I remember she's holding a glass and she like dropped the glass and it shattered and she like ran screaming out of the room, you know? So I, I just knew that was what was going on. And of course, Murphy's law, I grew up in a super haunted house, like giant Victorian house, <laughs> um, poster child for haunted house. If you saw it, you'd be like, whoa, you know? And my room was the most haunted room. And I, I don't know if the house was haunted before I got there or if I, I was just a ghost magnet. Mm. And every, so every spirit in the neighborhood moved in. And so I was, saw a lot of dead people when I was little. I called them the gray people. Mm. Mm. And I, mm-hmm. they were sad. I was never afraid of them. I just knew they were sad and they needed help. And they were lonely, you know, and I, I would talk to them. They were sort of as real to me as the real people. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were hippies and they were kind of spiritual seekers. So m- I also was told that I had a great imagination. Um, but my parents were artists and hippies. My mom was a therapist. They were sort of like more, they didn't know what to do. Yeah. You know? But I didn't get the sense that it was wrong or bad. I just felt like, and I, I knew when I was really little that I had to be quiet about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time trying to pretend to be normal in public. And, you know, hide what was not talk about it to my friends because it it made people uncomfortable and my parents brought me to transcendental meditation when I was 10 because that's when what you did when you were a hippie in 1974 right right so you must have do you do you have do you have the secret mantra I do and I met Maharishi wow and, um and he was so of course I had no idea who he was but he took me alone into this back room and was speaking to me through the translator and he was like, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden he was like, Burp. he was like, he looked at me and he was like, oh, he said to his translator, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. You have extraordinary gifts and your childhood's going to suck. And there's no help for you here. We would know what to do with you if you were born in my country. But because America is basically spiritually bankrupt, you're shit out of luck. And I'm so sorry, but you have to hang in there because you're going to help a lot of people when you get older. And I was like, this is cool. Like some grown up is talk, you know, and I was like, I held on to that. And it wasn't until I was in college and taking comparative religion classes that I realized that was Maharishi Yogi. Wow. I know. Right. Totally amazing. So I had, you know, my parents and they took me to the Silva. Silva used to be called Silva mind control. I am. Yeah. It was one of the very first trainings I did was so good. good. I did it all through high school. Yeah. And I, I studied martial arts mostly because I wanted to be a Jedi Knight. And when I was a kid, and you know, so I had kind of an extraordinary spiritual upbringing. Um, and I, I really became fascinated with horror movies. So I went and snuck in to see the movie Poltergeist. My parents wouldn't let me go, but I went with my friend. And there's this moment in the movie where Zelda, the psychic, comes on the screen and, and she's a professional psychic. And I was sitting there going, you can do that. Like, that's a thing. Like, that's a thing. I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And then she gives this little paragraph about what happens when you die and when, why some people, why they get stuck and what a ghost is and what to do about it. And I was like, oh, my God, somebody knows something, you know. And I became like a, a paranormal horror movie addict because I and I got a lot of my early childhood education on the paranormal from watching horror movies. And some of it was accurate and some of it was crazy, you know, Hollywood bulls stuff yeah um, you can swear one, don't yeah. worry <laughs> yeah um, yeah but, like I'm from New England so it's really hard for me to talk without swearing it's just, um yeah yeah it's part of our regional dialect yes over here. exactly um <laughs> so you know so and then I had to unlearn some of the stuff that I learned from watching horror movies but then it was the 80s and then it, this is the dawn of the new age and I was in college and all of a sudden there was you know 
books and teachers. And I studied with a shaman for a long time. And I, I studied with a person who was a channeler. And I worked in a new age bookstore, a really excellent new age bookstore that, that everyone came through and did workshops. And they studied with some, re, some of the best. Was that in books. Massachusetts? It was. It was called Beyond Words Bookstore. And it was in Northampton. I am familiar with Beyond Words. Yeah, it's gone now. But boy, yeah. it was so good. So I worked there. And wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So I had some really, really lucky breaks. And then I started working as a psychic when I was 19, right? Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. That's when I started. And I knew like then I didn't know enough like to really, I was 19, like, what do you know, really? So I went back, had finished my undergrad degree, but I went back to school and studied counseling and psychology and um, got a master's level pro, you know, degree. So I added that in. And for a long time, I did the two of them together, which was a fantastic combination. And then I threw, and then it all, it'll evolve from there. But it was a, it was a kind of an extraordinary um, way to grow. Some of it was really, really, really hard. Um, yes. And then, you know, I continued to be sort of on the front edge of these things. So I didn't know how to run a biz, a business as a psychic. Nobody was doing it, you know, right. then in the nineties, I was doing house clearings for 10 years, I did them. There was no manual. There was no, I, it's so dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. And I didn't, I made every mistake in the book, o almost died, like got so sick, had horrible spirits, follow me home. Like it was everything you shouldn't do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I didn't know. So, so let's know, actually talk about everything you shouldn't do because, uh, I think that's something like, like, can we get into some specifics of like, uh, don't do this. Don't play with the Ouija board. Oh, so, don't, you don't. know, this is the, so this is, this is where spirit is like being very, very clear because I just happened to see earlier today, Corby Mitlide had a uh, reel on, you know, had a reel that I just noticed on Instagram that was basically, this is why you do not ever work with a Ouija board. So I find it fascinating Good. that within the last two hours i have heard this message twice don't yeah. mess with the ouija board i i mean i had one when i was a child i actually think i i actually still have my ouija board i just never crack it open or bring it out because i agree with you completely not yeah. a good idea not a good idea not a good idea yeah no. yeah corby yeah. says it's like it's like basically pulling out opening the door to the party and yelling free beer <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Spirits. It's just like a direct line to the lower astral. Yes. You know, and where all the nasty spirits are. And it's like the direct op door open to the, the bad side, the bad neighborhood over there. Yeah. And, you know, it's not good. So don't do that. Don't mix drugs and alcohol with psychic work. Can you, would you repeat that again? Because that one is so don't important. Mix drugs and alcohol with psychic work. Do not get stoned and take the Ouija board into the abandoned mental hospital just to see what will happen. <laughs> That's like not believing in sharks and then chumming the water and jumping in to see if sharks are real. Right. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of people that sort of play around and we, and a lot of these things, we, we learn these sort of bad, we, we see these bad behavior, bad. I don't say they're bad. They're, they're, dangerous on paranormal ghost hunting TV shows, you yes. know, like, like provocation, like the, you know, um, the, you know, provoking spirits, um, they they do that because they're trying to get a ride out of them because paranormal TV shows are super boring. If the ghost doesn't actually show up and do something, you know, I did, I went into these house hunting, um, things alone. Oh I didn't goodness. bring backup. I didn't know how to, that I should clear myself before or after. Um, I didn't really believe in the levels of darkness and shadow spirits that actually exist. And that was really hard to figure that out the hard way. I was like, there's no evil. It's, there's just light, <laughs> you know? And I think we're fine. I feel like astral projection is a very dicey, is a high risk psychic activity. Mm. Some people do it naturally and that's, we can't really help it, but there are people who try to learn how to do it. Like wandering around the, leaving your body and wandering around the astral plane, not safe. Not safe. Not yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I think any, I think some things like table tipping and um, seances can be very safe if you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. If you're mm -hmm. properly trained, you take precautions, you do all the clearing before and after, you set a strong intention, you have a high vibration yourself. But it can be quite dangerous if you're playing around with it and you don't take precautions, you don't protect yourself, you don't set your intentions. People 
you don't know how to lift your frequency out of the astral. And if you haven't done a lot of inner work, if you're in emotional turmoil yourself, if you have, if your mental health is not stable, you should not be doing psychic development work. That is a recipe for disaster. You should concentrate on getting your mental health steady before you do any psychic development. Um, and I see a lot of sort of newbie psychics who don't really know or haven't been properly trained. They hit the astral. They get some guide who says they're, they're Jesus and they're not. And they, when we read the astral plane, we are just reading people's hopes and fears. Mm-hmm. We're not getting higher information than that. So like, I don't mean to pick on that. Like, this is this made up scenario. You go to the tea room, right? To get your tea leaves red or your tarot cards red. And you get a psychic who hasn't doesn't know how to get above the astral. And what they do is they read your hopes and fears. Oh my God, your, your, your husband's having an affair and somebody cursed you and blah, 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 bad shit, bad stuff. And that's the fear, but you're going to meet a tall, dark stranger and you're going to win the lottery and you're going to, you know, it's all going to, that's the hope. And when they say the fear, it rings a bell because it's actually really your fear. You're like, Oh my God, that psychic was so accurate. Like, how do they know my husband was having an affair? You know? Well, they don't, they're not getting active predictive information. They're accurately reading your hopes and fears and mm-hmm. reflecting that back to you as if it's reality. And most of the time they don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't know that that's what they're doing. Mm. Sorry. That was a bit of a rant. Oh, but it's so, so good. And, you know, it's interesting. I, in, in shamanism, you know, you've got like, which obviously you've trained in shamanism, you've got the lower worlds, the middle worlds and the upper worlds. And I, I find that I, you know, over the years I've noticed, I end up in the middle worlds during, you know, when I'm dreaming a lot to go retrieve parts of myself and everything, but I'm thinking it's almost like the astral world and the middle world are kind of the same place. They really like they are. feel really similar. And it's, I mean, it is like, it's a neighborhood you got to be really careful about because it is like just it, it, it's just filled with it. I don't know. It's like, it's filled with a lot of dead ends and weird hallways and just strange stuff. that you can Lost get wandering spirits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like, I mean, the astral is just one dimension removed from ours mm-hmm. and I feel like it has two, three layers to it. So the upper astral is pretty safe. Mm-hmm. That's where often we meet our spirit guides. When you astral travel at night and you meet your spirit crew to get information downloaded to you, we're in the upper astral. And that, there's some safe zones up there. The middle astral is where the wandering stuck dead people are. Mm-hmm. You know, on one side, um, the the ghosts and waywards, you know, earthbound spirits. On the other side, we, we have the world of fairy, which also has these three levels, like the natural world. So, you know, that's a nice place to hang around. But then there's the lower astral and the lower astral is bad. That's mm-hmm. where the really mischievous, parasitic, malicious spirits who like to mess with humanity hang out. And that's where the Ouija board goes to the lower astral. And it's really actually quite dangerous to wander around the lower astral. It's not a good place to be. And a lot of the the things that I already talked about will connect you with the lower astral. Smoking a lot of weed in the mental abandoned mental hospital on Halloween with the Ouija board, lower astral. And you're kind of hosed if you if you do that. Yes. 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 Well, and the other thing that I think is so hard about it is that you don't know that you just took a major hit um, when you've done it. Like you might wake up hungover the next day, but you don't necessarily understand the ramifications of it. And, you know, you were saying earlier, like you nearly died, like you were sick. Let's talk about how long. So like how much because I'm sort of imagining it's not like you went and you got drunk and high, brought the Ouija board, went to the mental hospital and like the next day went, oh my God, I got slimed. I'm sort of imagining that it took you a while before you realized anything was going on. Yeah. And I really had no idea, you know, sort of the level of things that I was getting into. And I, I went into, it was house clearing and it was a uh, haunted uh, where's the place that priests live next to churches? What's that called? Like a, not a rectory or a, I think it is a rectory. Know, yeah. Like yeah, a rectory. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. a haunted rectory. And there, there were some bad goings on in that place, you know, and I, it felt pre- pretty gross, but I didn't know that I brought some friends home with me, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just collected some spirit attachments that 
jumped onto me and followed me home and then moved into my house. And this is when I stopped doing house clearings because they started messing with my kids. Mm. No, and it took me like, I'm not kidding, like over a year to clear those spirit, those entities and attachments, because they were sort of high level, bad, bad ones out of they were, and then they attached to me and were living in my house. So it was a big giant mess. And I had to call in some really heavy hitters um, to release me from that. And, and I, I didn't feel good after that, but it took, it was cum- cumulative. Yes. You know? So like, I got very ill. I was physically sick. You know, I had like depression, anxiety. It was sort of a combination of like a mental nervous breakdown mm-hmm. and, and some really bad health. And it, it took me a good solid year to recover. And I got very scared because my kid, my kids were little, mm. you know, and, and I realized I was exposing them to a level of darkness and shadow. And I, I ended up talking to this guy who was literally an exorcist and he was, he helped clear me. And, and he looked at me and he went, he, he said, Lisa, this is not the path for you. Like step away, stop looking into the darkness because if you look into the darkness too long, they look. They look, they notice. Yes. If you look into the void, the void will look void back. back. They, yes. they notice. And if you go up against them, you don't want to go in their target, their targets. And he's like, exorcists don't live very long. Mm. He's like, we have a short life expectancy. We die. Mm-hmm. Bad shit happens. You know, he's like, this is not the path for you. You're meant to be a healer. You're meant to be helping other people. You need like, get out of the dark and go into the light, back to the light. And I, he, when he said that, I was like, ding. Like, like that landed as a very deep truth. And I feel like I learned what I needed to learn on my walk down the dark, down to the dark side. And then I know enough to not, to never go there again. Yes. Yes. No. Well, and you spoke about, um, you know, the whole sort of the naivete of everything is light. And I, you know, I will say that I had the experience of when I was much younger and I was first developing my psychic abilities, but I was already kind of leaning towards being a healer. I did this work with this, this one person where um, I could see a lot of evil and a lot of darkness and some like, like cult stuff and all kinds of things. And like, really like she was, she was in danger. Like she was in peril And I went back to my spiritual community and there was this like level of this is not real, like there, you know, and, and sort of like, because in, in the case of they were all, you know, pagan Wiccan and because there's so much demonizing of earth centered religions and sort of the, this party line is often, there's no such thing as the devil. The devil is the contrary to, you know, mm. is the contrary to Catholicism. It has nothing to do with our religion. They had gone to the point where they were just not willing to acknowledge any of the darkness, like any of the fact that there's dark stuff. And I've noticed that, like, I think that there are people who kind of are so invested in the light that they don't necessarily want to acknowledge that. Yeah, there are some gnarly things around, you know, in, on the, in, on the planet that we want to avoid and stay away from. Absolutely. And, you know, I understand the struggle with that. I don't want to believe that shit's real either. Yeah. You know, we live in a polarized world. So our planet is, so we have the angels and we have, we have the corresponding, you know, dark energy. Mm -hmm. And I think in the past, it was sort of like, there was a demon under every bush. Everything was blamed on demons. You know, if you were mentally ill, if you were physically ill or whatever, and then now there's never a demon under the bush, (laughs) but sometimes there, you know, sometimes there is, and, you know, I've had the same experience you have with working with people that were part of cults, part of satanic cults. You know, um, and, and my, interestingly enough, one of my relatives is a therapist who specialized in helping people recover from that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so she gave me a, she gave me a sit down one day and she was like, let me, and I found the book, the people of the lie by Scott Peck to be really, um, uh, formative for me I actually met him because he lived nearby in Northampton, Massachusetts, he lived nearby. He was, he was a professor at, at Amherst in Amherst. And, um, I read his book and I met him and I did a workshop, like attended a workshop with him. And that was the first time I really was sort of looked at this concept of evil and what it, you know, what it is evil, real, what is evil. And it became like something that I sort of leaned into. And, 
And I think the other thing that's hard is really understanding people's trauma. So one of the things that I do as a, as a teacher and a mentor for healers is help them become trauma informed best I can, Mm -hmm. because as healers, we have most of the evil we see is what people do to other people. Yes. And we need as healers, psychics to be prepared to look at that if that's what we want to do. And mm -hmm. my, my clients, I mean, I've seen 20 clients a week for over 20 years and it's people, nobody comes to my office because they're having a good day. Right. Right. Nobody would call me into their house to do house clearing because their house feels great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we our job is to take our light and step into that darkness. That's what we do. And it's really hard. We have to be prepared. We have to know. We have to get help. We have to do self-care. We have to be aware of secondary trauma, which is when we feel traumatized by other people's trauma. And it it's not easy. So, and I, I think there's kind of this sort of like they call it, you know, toxic positivity or spiritual mask or spiritual bypassing. Or that, I heard you light know, washing too. Which light washing. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's sort of, we're just going to gloss over the, how uncomfortable all those things really are when we're, when we are left with dealing with how, and especially as empaths, we, because we, when we see that we feel what we feel about it, plus we feel what our client's feeling about it. And it's this kind of empathic you know, feedback amplification of some really dark stuff. Um, So I find like, if you want to really go there, you've got to learn how to clear yourself, how to ground yourself. This is why my energy hygiene, why I'm such a stickler for energetic hygiene for us sensitive types, because we, we have this catch 22. We're meant to help. And yet helping puts us in the line of fire for being, you know, I, one of the most absolute sensitive people that I know, an empath, it works in a hospice. Mm, and mm-hmm. I, I'm so in awe of her. I don't think I could do that. I think it's such beautiful and needed work. And that's what I'm talking about. It's gritty. It's not all sunshine and rainbows and fairies for right, us healer right, types. Right. right. Well, and even when it sunshines, rainbows and fairies, one of the most, um, uh, risky experiences I had was shortly after a friend of mine died and crossed over and sort of showed me a taste of the light. I got so blissed out by that experience. It was also a period where a bunch of people had all died in the same year, but I had gotten so blissed out by the experience that I was kind of out of my body just enough that I didn't notice I got bitten by a tick and I ended up in, you know, getting Lyme induced pneumonia and ended up dealing with chronic Lyme. So sometimes I think even like, even the good stuff can still be a little bit risky because we can lose track of what's going on. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you had to go through that and I hope that you're well. Um, Thank you. Yes. That's a difficult one. And it's rampant where I live. It's like an epidemic here. Yeah, it is an epidemic here as well. Yeah. 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 That's tricky. I feel like, you know, honestly, this is sort of a side topic, but I feel like empaths are particularly susceptible to Lyme. Yes. Yes. And they just like, I know I've been bitten by Lyme ticks a hundred times because I live in England. I walk my dog in the woods every single day and I'm sure I have it. I have the co-infections, but I've never had Lyme. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it lands on certain people. It lands on, and if you have an opening, if you have like, I call the invasion wound, like if you're susceptible to energetic invasion, you may also be susceptible to Lyme because it's an invader. It's a parasite. And some people just shrug it off their immune systems. Like, nope, I'm not, we're not going there. And other people are like, they're vulnerable to it. And I feel like empaths are often vulnerable to these these invaders, because we are so easily invaded. Well, there's also a really interesting gene mutation called the MTHFR gene mutation. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've, I'm not a scientist nor do I play one on TV, but I've sort of been doing kind of like a, um, a bit of an anecdotal kind of like surveying over the years. And there seems to be, there's definitely, this is, this is something they've seen. There's definitely a very strong correlation between MTHFR and, and vulnerability to Lyme disease. Mm. But also it's from my travels, I'm seeing many, many of us who are empaths also have these gene mutations. Interesting. So, you know, I mean, I think we are sort of not only energetically vulnerable or susceptible, but we are also um, genetically vulnerable and susceptible to this stuff. So I want to, I actually would love to go back to, you were talking about the incredible importance 
of doing our own work before we start opening our, ourselves to our psychic abilities and especially start to practice it. And preach sister. I mean, I don't even get me started about the number of people who pick up a deck and then put their shingle out six months later and think the, that they the, know what the, the hell they're doing. The TikTok doing. psychics. Oh my God. Like, yeah, yeah. The TikTok and Instagram psychics who it's like, you know, um, and it's like, they don't know what they do not know. Yeah. But I would love to talk about like kind of what are the red flags to be looking for that really means this is not the time or place for you to go into the psychic ability and what on the conversely would be the signs that you are ready to develop your psychic abilities. Mm. So I think if you're struggling at all with mental health issues, it's not a good time. You know, if you are have severe depression, anxiety, if you have any like, you know, serious mental health issues you need to stabilize yourself first. And I work with a lot of people that have had pretty serious mental health issues, even psychotic episodes. Um, And I sometimes help those people tease out. You take somebody who's really, really psychic and you give them the right genetics and the right trauma, and they may end up with a severe mental illness. Yes. Um, And so oftentimes I, because we, that those, that trauma like cracks your third eye, you know, Mm -hmm. really cracks the lens in your in your third eye so that the angels that are coming to help you now sort of look like demons or, you know, and there's, so that would be like really getting grounding, really working on your staying in your body, um, getting some therapy, getting, you know, some help trauma recovery work um, and all the ways that we can do that, that that's sort of like an emergency situation. That's where it's not a good idea to do it. Um, I think if you're looking to do psychic development as a way to avoid your life, that's probably a problem. Mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we, we want to lean into our lives and have like, for me, it was a really good counterbalance. Like I was a martial artist. I was an athlete. I was a single mother with three kids. So I go, I come home from my office and doing psychic readings all day and like wash the kitchen floor and drive my kids around and make dinner, and, you know, shovel the dog crap in the backyard. Like, it was, you know, like very earthy. And I found that as a very good counterbalance to the sort of more ethereal and psychic world. We need to have a foot on solid ground. If you don't have a foot on solid ground, got to get that. Yes. 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 You know? Um, And then I, I think like so many of us are going through intense psychic and spiritual openings right now. And sometimes they happen gently and gracefully, and that's awesome. And sometimes they really, we our psychic pops open very quickly. I call that a sudden psychic opening can be very disorienting and it's sort of more like an initiation experience and that might happen if you have a near-death experience or somebody around you dies. Um, you go through a crisis of some kind. You're very ill or, you you know, you, you crash and burn. Your life crashes and burns. Sometimes these extreme, or you do a lot of psychedelic, you know, you take some ayahuasca or you do the mushroom, you know, thing um, that can pop open our psychic ability. Or it happened to one of my students who went into yoga teacher training and was doing like eight hours on the mat, you know, meditation and yoga and she went vegetarian and, you know, she moved to Thailand and she was like, you know, and then she went through this like very destabilizing psychic opening where she kind of was having a hard time telling what was real and what wasn't real um, because it happens more quickly than we could integrate. We need wherever yes. we open our chakras here, we need to correspondingly study the grounding chakras. You know, like I think about the tree that has it, the bigger the crown of the tree, the bigger the root system of the tree has to be. And a lot of us spiritual people and empaths don't really like going down in those lower three chakras. It's where all of our pain is. That's where all of our trauma is. That's where all the nitty gritty worldly stuff, peopley stuff that we don't always resonate with is, but we have to get in there. And, or we really run the risk of overbalancing ourselves and kind of losing touch with reality. Yes. Yes. I, the image that you just, that I, with the tree, I had this image of like, you know, we want to be functioning like the tree, but in some ways you get a lot of these people who open themselves up to sort of that, you know, the love and light. And it's more like a cone, you know, it's like yes. an ice cream cone with nothing underneath it. And that's right. That what happens to that tree, easily. that tree falls over and exactly. it heavy winds, you know? Yeah. And, and there can be some resistance. I notice, especially in empaths um, to getting down in those lower three chakras because mm-hmm. where our pain is. Yeah. 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 
Well, and just, I mean, so much of our cultural um, baggage that goes back, I think, for thousands of years about this severing or the 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 disintegration of spirit and form and the idea that like spirit is good and form is somehow lesser than sinful or bad or yeah yeah like yeah. we're trying to transcend our humanity and get back to god which i understand because it's hard down here yeah. but to me the spiritual path is more and this is just my opinion really but is more about fully integrating our human experience like it, totally embracing and enfolding our humanness with our spiritualness in, in equal measure. And I think when we get that right, that's when we reach enlightenment, we get to get off the crazy planet. But I've, I've met a lot of people who are like, this is my last lifetime. And I'm like, really? I'm like, really? really? Why, why are we doing that? Because I don't want to be here anymore. And I'm like, I totally get that. Yeah. You know, but unless you're Jesus on the cross or Buddha under the Bodhi tree, it's not your last lifetime. It's just hard to be here. And I totally understand that and sympathize that and feel that way too, a lot, you know? Um, but but this idea that we can somehow, we all long to go back home to God. I We all do, me yeah. too, you know? Yeah. But it doesn't mean we get out of the wheel of, you know, of incarnation until we clean up our shit, till we handle all of our karmic debts, until we heal the traumas and wounds that we've had, until we fully embrace and love the humanness. Um, and to me, that's where things get so beautiful and soft and and compassionate. We we just get a bit battered around here, but as we do, we become more softer and more hard open and more compassionate. And that's beautiful, I think. Mm, absolutely. So actually, I've got a question. Do you ever tell a student you're not ready? You need to do your work? Like, how do you? Mm, yeah. And I mean, there are times when I'm like, let's focus on grounding. So I have a, a variety of different classes. I might be like, let's start with the basics. You know, let's start with energy management. I want I want you to just, you know, really get a handle on your empathic nature. And that means learning how to deal with your emotions on the daily, getting clear with the energy hygiene, getting better boundaries. I don't think that anyone's not ready to not ready. I just think they're ready for something. They're ready for something. You know, they're ready yes. for something. And maybe they just need embodiment practice or they need help with trauma and they're dealing with their own emotion. And that's a beautiful and necessary thing to do. And I got you, if that's what you need, I got, I've got that. Um, so I tend to be like, let's do this first, you know, mm-hmm. let's go here and do this thing, you know? And then, and then the, especially the way that I teach, even my advanced students, I've never been able to separate psychic development from spiritual growth and personal growth. Mm-hmm. I can't. It's just, Absolutely. Well, and I find so many people, they set out, they think they're taking a psychic class and what they get is a personal development class that has psychic stuff in it, you know, yeah. because yeah. as we open and we set foot on that path, all of our blocks come up, all of our resistance comes up past life trauma, this life trauma, inner child, inner critic, like it all surfaces to be cleared. And it's healer. Like I, I'm the first one to tell you, I am my own first and best client. Mm-hmm, and I have mm-hmm. never stopped working on myself. I never will. Right um, there with you. Because, you know, when that stuff comes up for me now, I'm like, oh, goody. Like, yeah, ooh, here's something really juicy I can work on and let go. I always have spiritual teachers and helpers and coaches myself. Yes. That are that that I'm I'm doing because in my professional life, the the next thing I'm doing always scares the crap out of me. I'm teaching a big class for the shift network right now. And Congratulations. It, oh, thank you. And it's I have 250 people in the class. And it um it empaths. It's for empaths. Mm. And um and it's so challenging for me that I'm I'm getting worked through my stuff of not feeling good enough or picking up all their stuff or feeling responsible for like all the same stuff we all deal with. And I'm leaning into it because I, I feel like, oh, thank God, there's more stuff I can let go of, you know? And I love that when it happens to my clients, I'm like, oh, goody, here's a chakra that needs clearing or in you or um, a past life or some family stuff, some ancestral stuff, some old beliefs that you have or old wounds that you have. Let's clean it up because I love to do that stuff, you know? And I, I just think it's part of the process, mm-hmm. good part of the process. And if we lean into it, we can, we just benefit so greatly. And if we don't lean into it, we get a little stuck. You know, we get kind of like circle around and round and not, and not being able to move forward on our path. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, and as you were saying, you know, the intersection between psychic development, personal development, healing, and spiritual growth, they're all so interconnected. And it it is almost like you can't have one without the other. That if you do, and in my experience, you know, so many people, when you start doing your deep personal work, all of a sudden your intuition just expands, your ability to know things expands, your capacity to have clarity about what's what suddenly just opens up. So I'm just so there with you. I also, one of the things I've been saying for a long time is that I think that a lot of the sort of, you know, intuitive development, psychic development courses, especially, you know, uh, from like when you and I were both developing and learning our tools was that everything was focused so much on ability to receive information and not necessarily the ability to process the information, discern what's going on. And even like that thing of, as you were speaking about recognizing, are you receiving information from like the lower astral plane or are you getting legit information that is coming through? And, uh, you know, I think that that piece of really focusing on the foundational stuff and, you know, I, I, I'll take a risk and say, I think anytime somebody, if somebody doesn't want to do the grounding work, that's an indication they need to do the grounding work, you know, because there's never, we can never be too grounded. Our roots can never be far enough, like, and broad enough. Like for me, it's a daily practice of, always, always, like I always need to kind of, and just constantly the reminder of you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to adopt that one. I love it. Yeah. So, so totally agree with you. And, um, I think it's important to stay humble, Mm -hmm. you know, not get kind of overblown with our psychic abilities or feel like we're extra super special because we have them. And, um, I think we have to check our, our ethics around that and not really like, and make sure we have strong ethical standards on like, don't blur, not blurting out psychic information just because we see things without asking people's permission, you know, and, and just stay humble and kind really as we do that. And I know like the, like the spiritual masters, the ascended masters, um, tell you that healing ability and psychic ability is a byproduct byproduct of spiritual growth. Yes. And, when you, and even Yusui Sensei, the, you know, the guy who invent, in, invented Reiki said that like he was a Buddhist monk. He wasn't interested in psychic stuff or healing stuff. Really. He was a really intense spiritual teacher and noticed in his students that when, when they did his practices that they all of a sudden could have healing. And it's sort of like the five charismas of Christ, right? You know, the spiritual gifts come when we set foot on the pathway. And I do think that I have seen people teach psychic development without spiritual growth. And it's a bit of a train wreck, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, for them and for their students. So I would just say like, you know, I think it's something that we can't do alone. We need a community. We need a mentor, a teacher. You really need to work with somebody who knows more than you do. Just like if you were, I guess you could teach yourself how to play the piano. I mean, some people do that or how to teach yourself how to be a world-class gymnast or athlete or a musician. But really it's so much easier if we have a mentor, a teacher, a process, a community, let's do it the easy way not have to do it the hard way. Like you and I did back in the day, we were thrashing around blind well, and, and when there making every mistake on the planet. No, there we, really weren't. We did no. not have teachers. I mean, it was like, even the new age, like everybody was just t- kind of stumbling around in the dark back then. Right. So there was a lot more like trial and error that people don't have to go through now because there are teachers. Lisa, I cannot believe how fast this conversation has gone by. Um, We're sort of getting in on that kind of weaving, rolling into the top of the hour. And I really wanted to ask you, um, like, what recommendations would you have about sort of appropriate actions and steps and maybe first steps that people could take to really start developing their psychic abilities? Um, I feel like, you know, I love this idea of the psychic journal. And that's why I, I wrote a psychic journal um, of beginning to record our, it's like the, an easy first step. And you will be amazed about how psychic you already are if you start keeping a journal. 
just a dedicated one for your psychic experiences. And you're going to write your dreams in there. If you pull cards, if you have hunts, hunches or nudges, if you see signs and omens around you, you have that knowing or that feeling and the sensing in the body, or you're getting, you're seeing angel numbers, whatever's happening recorded in the journal, because those things are often very ephemeral. They are, they seem really intense in the moment. And five minutes later, we forget about them. Right. Right. And, um, and that's just the way they are. That that's just the nature of it. Right. So we would record it in the journal. And we do, we just, it just builds because we're paying attention to it. We're tracking it. You're going to be so amazed by how psychic you already are. I feel like we need to take time to listen. So having some quiet time, some meditation time, even if it's the walking the dog meditation or the washing the dishes meditation, setting an intention to ask a question and then doing something quiet um, and then recording the results in your journal. And then, you know, reading books is great. I, you know, like learning stuff, but eventually I feel like we need a teacher, you know, we need, there's only, you you can only get so far on your own. And this, there's this idea that somehow we're master professional level psychics without training, without teachers. That's not, that's not, I don't know anybody who's doing that. Every professional level person I know has had really good training, you Mm -hmm. know, somewhere along Mm -hmm. the line. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So we need to drop this idea that somehow we're magically supposed to do it without putting in a little work without, you know, without the daily work and without that kind of, you know, working with somebody who knows a little more than you do about something, you know? And, and and I think having a group or community is very healing. A lot of us have had to be alone in this aspect of our life or don't have anybody to share it with. And there's so much benefit from belonging to a group where you can share you know, experiences with. So I think that's my, my advice. So I have a question for you because, you know, uh, not all groups are created equal. And um, (laughs) I had a situation a little while ago where somebody joined my Facebook group and she posted a picture. Fortunately, I have it set so that you can't just post in my group. I have to approve it. She posted a picture of herself and she was asking for free psychic advice for many of the people who were in the group to tell her what was going on with her stomach because she had gone to see the doctors and they wouldn't and they couldn't find anything. And I just wrote back and I was like, uh, this is not the place to do that. But what's sad is that there are plenty of places where she will be able to post a picture and have all kinds of random information. My question to you is, what do you, how do people find the groups? How do people find the teachers? I mean, obviously you and I are both doing this work, offering groups and teaching, Um, you know, and I'm sure that there are people listening to you who are like, oh my God, I found my teacher. Like, I mean, and I just, I just want to say, Lisa, one of the things I freaking love about being in conversation with you and bringing you on the show is your ethics that, um, you know, you speak the true, true. You are not afraid to say, yeah, don't go there a little buckaroo. And that I really, really, really appreciate that you are willing to say this isn't for everybody that, you know, you can't just put your shingle up. Like you need to do your work. You need to do your work. You need to do your work. So how do people find like, what would you recommend, or maybe what are the qualities that you want that we should be seeking in a group and or a teacher? Um, I think there's sort of a combination, sort of 50-50 here. And one one half of that is to do a little research and check out, make sure somebody's got a good reputation, you know, check out their, their make sure they're trained. What did they train? How long have they been doing it? What are, you know, what what's their resume? What's their background? Do they have, are they reputable? do a little research. And the other part is really like it, use your intuition, right? So we want to find somebody that we resonate with, that it vibes with us. Um, and, you know, there's like a, mil- it's like yoga teachers or martial artists. There's a million great ones. And, and they're ma- there's somebody out there for everyone. It's yeah. kind of, you know, and there's somebody out there for you. There's somebody doing or teaching the way you want to do yoga or psychic development. So you're going to feel a resonance um, like, comfortable, always make sure, you know, make sure you you don't have someone that's power tripping. Mm -hmm. um, That's very, or controlling or sometimes any, and this is true for any teacher that don't uh, want their students to out evolve them. I sincerely hope all of my students out evolve me, um, you know, and, and fly and be free. Like I don't hold on to my students and I'm very comfortable with my students train with other people. Like you're going to tap me out of that. You're going to learn everything I know. And then you're going to move on to another teacher. God bless you. And that we should all be doing that. Right. Exactly. You know, that that's fine. I don't, 
like, so psychics I find are often like notoriously territorial and Mm -hmm. they, um, they're like tigers. They have like a big territory in their territorial. Um, and so that would be red, a red flag for me. If they're telling you don't study with anyone else, you can only study with me. I'm the only one that has all the answers. Right. I'm the only one who knows how to do it the right way. Yeah. You have to go through (laughs) me. It's like, you have to go through me to get to God. That's sort of like the old story we used to hear from the priests, you know? Um, that's a big red flag for me. Yes. Like I, I think like watch the container they keep are, are the people inside their group kind to each other, nice to each other. Is it a free for all? Because the teacher will set the container. So if the teacher has good ethics and a high vibe and, and is humble and compassionate, um, then that's what the group will be like. And some of that's research and some of it's, you got to feel it. Yeah. You got to feel it. Well, and you just said something, you know, when you were talking about just even doing your research and looking for credentials, I have been doing reading and reviewing a number of books lately, and I've been really blown away by the number of authors who do not have any bio in their book and who do not have any place in the world where you can find their qualifications to be writing about things like trauma or, you know, narcissists or gaslighting or, um, you know, healing. I read a book recently about, you know, that was all about healing, you know, about energy healing in the biofilm. And it was like, there was not one piece of information about why the person who wrote the book was qualified to write it. And, you know, to me, that's a really, a really important thing to be looking for is somebody willing to be transparent about their education is somebody willing to talk about their credentials, or do they think that they can just write about like, like have a slick marketing thing and not claim it. And I will say in the EFT world, it is mind blowing to me how many people do not speak about where they got, you know, whether they were certified or where they trained at all and just claim to be an EFT practitioner, but with nothing to hold it up. So to me, that's also like, look to see, does somebody actually say where they have credentials or who they trained with, or are they just saying that they're fabulous and wonderful and are going to be able to, you know, transform And how long have they been working? You know, what is their, you know, that what's their clinical experience? Like how many clients have they seen or how many years they've been doing it? You know, that there's, there's value there. there. I just had like a little conversation with somebody in one of my Facebook groups and she was saying, we, we don't need training. You know, we just download this information and we're born healers. And I'm like, oh no. I'm oh like, no, honey. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I was like no, no, you didn't. Um, yeah. And I'm like, maybe you're getting your, I mean, I believe that, you know, we can get our healing skills from God, but we need clinical training. And there's so many <clears throat> healers that are unknowingly hurting other people yes or unknowingly hurting themselves yes um because they don't have a clinical background they don't know what what, what do you do you know what to do if somebody comes to your office and they're suicidal or severely depressed or in the throes of addiction or suffering this is or suffering extreme loss this isn't this is what i see every week you know what i mean this that's like an average week of clients for me you know because that's what people are coming to we you know people are not very happy with our, the medical field and the mental health field that people are feeling very underserved. And so they come to people like us and we mm-hmm. need to have some idea about how to stay present for other people's trauma. Yes. Baseline. Yes. And, and I just, that if you, even if you download some healing modality from God, okay, great. But you still need to learn how to show up for somebody who's coughing up something really gnarly in your healing room because it's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh God, I could talk with you and go on and on and on about this. And every time we talk, I'm blown away by the similarities in our lives. I'm just like, like you said, a number of other things. I'm like, oh, yep. <laughs> like <laughs> you and I have lived parallel lives. And I know I said this last time, but I'm know, just like, so cool. we really have lived parallel lives. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> Um, you know, we are coming towards the top of the hour in this conversation, and I definitely want to give you a chance to say if there, you know, like the one, like the one or two most important things, like the stuff you would kick yourself if you don't say it today. So what, mm-hmm. what else is just really crucial? Well, to say? well I think, 
like, I, I also don't want to discourage people, you know, and, and uh, sometimes I see, you know, the, the TikTok psychics that we talked about, yeah, like, yeah. I, I want to find a way to encourage their enthusiasm, their love, their spirituality, their intention. I want to find a way to encourage that and not shut it down, but also kind of back it up with some muscle or some training or some foundation. You know what I mean? Like yes. I really want, I don't want anyone listening to this to feel discouraged about stepping into this path. And um, because I, fe- I really admire and love their enthusiasm and their, their spark and their light. Um, but we need to like, we just need to back it up with a little, a little backbone. Yeah. You know? A little bit of, well, and a little skill, a little skill, a little bit. And, and just the practical awareness of like, you know, I mean, nowadays, sadly, trauma informed is becoming a buzzword where there are a lot of people who I think are using it, who don't really know what the hell they're even talking about, yeah. which is really, really sad because, um, you know, I, and I think that there are people who think they're trauma informed who are not trauma informed. Um, But I think that, you know, even and the piece that you were talking about of like, yes, you can have past lives as a priestess, you can have all of this information. But the bottom line is that, like you said, you need to know what to do if somebody comes into your office and they are like dealing with a domestic violence situation, if they are suicidal, if they are like absolutely just terribly, terribly depressed what do you need to do? And like you said, how to avoid getting ourselves into situations where we are either causing causing somebody else harm or causing ourselves harm. And so I really hear you saying it's like, it's awesome that you want to do this. It's awesome that you're excited about this. And let me invite you to learn how to be more grounded. Let me invite you to learn how to really take care of yourself. Let me invite you to explore your spiritual and psychic hygiene so that you can do this work even better. And I yes. think, yeah, that's, yeah. that's beautiful. What, yes, what you just said, that's exactly because I, I want to honor both sides, you yeah. know, and not shut anyone down. I I'm so happy to see so many people. Um, interested and opening to this. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, and And you and I both learned, I mean, like we were both young whippersnappers at one point. Like I know, I mean, I picked up, I picked up tarot cards at the exact, like I started doing psychic readings at the exact same age and I, you know, and I could, and I, 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 like I could go places I I didn't belong. I, I had abilities that allowed me to do things and I look back at some of the stuff I did, and there's that there's a saying um, in twelve step programs, which is God protects drunks, fools, and children. And I was, <laughs> you know, and I was definitely at least two of those things. Yeah. You know? Child being one of them, and um, you know, and the thing is, I am so incredibly grateful that the cavalier way that I approach certain things, that the that the ways that I, you know, would just sort of blurt things out or give people information that no great harm was caused because the more I know now, the more I'm like, Oh, that could have really gotten me yeah. and that other person. Just I'm right there with trouble. you. I'm yeah. right there with you. And I, you know, I'm not perfect. I don't always, you know, sometimes I'm like, Oh, I could do that better. I just, you know, some, something will happen in a session and I'll afterwards I'll be like, yeah, I need to, I could have handled that better. I need to handle that better. Um, and I, I'm with you too. Like I'm super grateful as I was stumbling my way through this. I didn't cause any permanent harm to anyone as far as I know. So yeah. 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 So my final question, which um, the audience knows is coming is I really believe that podcasts exist outside of time in the sense that they live in perpetuity and they are evergreen and people can be listening to this 20 years from now. I also really believe they have an ability to send messages back in time. (laughs) And so I think of the podcast is like a ribbon of time that's folding on itself. And I'm thinking about that drunk Ouija board wielding uh, abandoned mental hospital, you know, uh, nine or 19 or like 19 or early 20, 20 something, uh, who, who really was, you know, awakening, but simultaneously getting herself into all kinds of trouble if, and, or another place, if there was another time that you'd want to go back to, who do you want to go back to? And what do you need to tell her? I think that I would love to go back to, um, that 19 year old, my 19 year old self, 20 year old self, and really 
um, help, like hold her hand and first of all, tell her that she, she should aim higher with her goals, with her, you know, what she, what she doesn't think she can achieve, what I know she can achieve. Um, so I want to, want to tell her to, you know, think more highly of herself and aim a little higher and to really kind of hold her hand around the conversation about the nature of good and evil. You know, I, I mean, I think about this a lot too, Jennifer, because I feel like I wrote the books that I wish I could have found in the library. Right there with you. And that I became the teacher that I wish I could have found the mentor. Really, I consider myself more like a mentor. Um, that I wish I could have found. And so I I do a lot of that thinking. And I do a lot of like, what does that 19-year-old me really need? You know, I wish I could have given her the ple- the, the 10 top do not do these mm. lists, you know, mm. not that I really ever did much of those, that sort of really high risk psychic stuff, except the, the ghost busting. Because um, I wasn't a, I could not a person that ever was attracted to substances or stuff like that. But, you know, me too, like we all go through that phase where we don't know what we don't know. Right, right. You know, and that I'm glad and I'm glad I made it through that. Um, and I wish I could give everyone kind of that, like the little manual. And here's what you need to know when you don't know what that you don't even know what you don't know. Exactly, Lisa. This has been such a rich, amazing conversation. I just thank you so much for sharing your gifts, your wisdom, and your time with us today. It really. This has just been so delicious. Thank you, Jennifer. My final question to you is, how can people get in touch with you? So you can stop by my website, lisacampion.com. I have a lot of resources for empaths, free resources. I have a really good um, for our video class on the energy hygiene. So if you, um, that's just my gift to you. It's one of my best classes. I just give it away for free. Um, because I feel like people really need it. So stop by and visit there. My books are for sale uh, on Amazon and, you know, local book. Please check out your local booksellers and let's support them. Um, but they, you, you can find them anywhere books are sold. And they're also available on Audible. So if you like to listen to your books, you can find them there too. Wonderful. Oh, Lisa, thank you so much. And guys, as always, you will be able to find links to Lisa's books and also to Lisa's website over in the show notes at empathicmasteryshow.com. Lisa, this really has been just so good. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. It's my honor again to be on your show. And I love connecting with you. So thank Mm. you. Such a pleasure. As we come to the end of this episode, I'd love to hear what you're taking from this show. Please jump over to empathicmasteryshow.com to leave your comments. In the show notes, you'll find a link to grab your copy of My Empathic Safety Guide, Three Basics for Finding Calm in the Eye of the Storm. And while you're there, please subscribe and follow this show. And thank you for your help sharing this show with the people who need it. Please help me to spread the word and send this podcast to friends or family members who need support living as highly sensitive empathic people. Then join me again when the next Empathic Mastery Show airs. Okay, one last time, hop over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com for your Empathic Safety Guide. And until next show, shine on. We need you and your gifts here on this planet. So please don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards.